Okay, so let's move on. Who wants to take it today? I'll do it. Okay, Brad, you got your first. So, so let me just give a. We, we finished the whole section dealing with some of the brachot. We go back to the Mishnah itself of the sixth parak, and it tells us now, you know, we're supposed to clearly say a bracha, things growing in trees, borei priyayets, something which grows in the ground, borei priyadama. What happens if you say the wrong one? What happens if you say the wrong one? And that'll lead us to both the questions of, of that, what's known as Gudievid, after the fact, and also brachot of shehakol. Okay, so we're still in this concept of brachot, uh, moving forward on that. Now go ahead. Okay, so the Stam Mishnah, there's no machloket you can see right now, right? There's no disagreement. Everybody seems to be in agreement. Okay, what are you supposed to say? And instead you say means you fulfilled your obligation. Meaning you don't have to recite the, the prayer again. Why, presumably? Trees also grow in the ground. I mean, that would be the pshat, right? We'll see what that means in a few moments. Al perota aretz, those things, vegetables, etc. You say borei priya eats lo yatsa. You don't fulfill your obligations. Means you have to go back and recite the right bracha. Why? Go ahead, Merle Allard. They're not on trees. They're not on trees. Things that grow on the ground grow on the ground. How can you say borei priya eats? Presumably. The imamar shakol niyabivaro. This all-inclusive bracha. Everything, anything yatsa. If you don't know what it is, what what are they telling you to say? Say shakol niyabivaro. You can't go wrong. That seems to be the pshat. Now you would think, of course, let's go on to the next mishnah, right? I mean, doesn't seem to be much that they can discuss. However, that's not the case. Mantana de Ikailan Ara he. Okay, Mantana. Who is the Tana? You notice it's what's known as a stum Mishnah. We don't have any person <coughs> saying it. We want to know who was the one who taught this. Mantana de Karilan Arahi. That indeed the major part of the Ilan of the tree is that which grows in the ground. It's not the leaves because it was the leaves of the tree, or if it was the branches of the tree, that's not Borei Priyadama. What, therefore, is the major part of the tree? It's rootedness in the ground. Something that's rooted in the ground. We'll come back to that in a moment. Amor Rav Nachman Bar Yitzach, Rabbi Yehuda he. Rabbi Yehuda. This is the, the teaching of Rabbi Yehuda. Who is Rabbi Yehuda? Anybody know? Rabbi Yehuda Bar Ilahi. Okay. <laughs> Not fast enough. Okay, should have learned it by now. You got, you got the cheat sheets. Rabbi Yehuda Bari Lai. Okay, one of the Rabbi. Tisnan Yadesh Hamayayan. Hamayan. Hamayan. Vinikzat Ha'ilan. Mevi Ve'eno Kore. 
Rabbi Yehuda Omer Mevi the Kore. Okay, it's not. This has to do with Bikurim. Okay, Kitavo El Aretz, right? What happens when you Kitavo the Aretz? And you do Rashid Bikurchem, Bikurechem, you're coming to a holiday of Shavuot, you bring it up to the temple, and you give it to the Kohen, and you say, What? What do you say? You all know from the Haggadah. Um, from the Haggadah, Ramiel Vedavi, Vayered Mitzrayim, Vayagar Kisham Bim Taimat, etc. And then you say, "Why am I here? To thank God not only for history, but Aretz Hatova, for the good land that you have given me." Well, the the Tnan Yaveshama Ayan, the well dries up, Vinitzatz Ha'Ilan, and the tree is taken down. Can you say? Can you say for the good land that God has given you? You've gotten already the Bikurim. Okay? But you got a drought. The tree is, is, is ill, has to be cut down. Can you say everything regard to Haaretz Hatova? The response is, Mevi, Feno Kore. You still bring Bikurim because they're ready. But you don't recite that entire passage because at that point the entire passage is not literal uh, thanking God for the good land. The land isn't that good at that point. Okay? So, on the other hand, what does Rabbi Huda say? Mevi vikore. Okay? Which means what in this case? I know it says, but what has to do now with what we had above, with the Perot Because that's what we're dealing with here. That ultimately, we're not that worried about the tree. The tree ultimately comes from the ground. When it was standing, it got its nourishment and everything from the ground. That's where ultimately the tree was important. And therefore... You can say Bore Priyadama for Bore Priyates. Because ultimately, again, you're dealing with Nitsatsailan. Some of it was was knocked off. Okay? And if the, if the tree is not standing as it once was, what's more important? The roots or the upper branches? Rabbi Yehuda says the roots. Okay? That's you can't the, plant more trees if the ground is it won't yield anything. It's not about the one tree. It's about. It's about the, the land. land. It's about the land. May the 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 original, the Mishnah itself says Yaveshmanan may vive Rabbi Yehuda disagrees, and they therefore suggest that the same kind of reasoning follows Rabbi Yehuda into our Mishnah. The major part of the tree is its rootedness, the land itself, and it still gave you bikurim. You can still say, though you should say Borei Priates, you can also say Borei Pri Adama. How do, how do they uh, <coughs> take the situation where, where they're laying siege to a city and they take over the city? How do they know whether the uh, trees have, have achieved enough uh, history to be able to use the fruit? Um, I don't know if they had to bring from the from the big green, but even if it did, I mean, again, if you know your own trees, you know that for the first three years they're not going to grow. By the fourth year, they're just going to grow a little bit, etc. So, you know, I, I think. 
that's the best way I can say it. Yeah, anybody who, who's who, you know, who 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 has their own gardens or anything knows when things pla are planted and how and there's growing season. But if the city's taken over and, and you're sort of told not to destroy the trees, how do you know how old the trees are for a city that you really didn't? You would know again. The first you're not allowed to use it for the first three years. The fourth year you're taking up juice, and after that you can use it. So you would know. Uh, you know, they're young trees or older trees. That's, a, I suppose, that's the best way I can say it. Okay, so far? Okay, now, Alperota Arts. Alperota Arts. Shita. I mean, what, what you've all said, that makes sense. Shita really means, of course. What, what, what do, what's the, what, why do we even need that stated for us? Amor of Nachman Bar Yitzhak. Nitzracha Elola Rebbe Yehuda Hamar Chita Minha Min Ilan Milanhi. Okay, we only need this again for our friend Rabbi Yehuda, who says Chita wheat is a type of tree. Now, what does he mean by a type of tree? We'll see this in a moment in some very interesting Agadic statements. Meaning again, it's not while its rootedness is uh, is in the land, its importance is, if you will, what it gives as it's growing. In the same way as a tree would. Okay, so according to him, the tanya, yeah, wait, wait, oh, according sorry. to him, going back to the Mishnah, if you said borei priya aretz, if you said borei priya, if you said sorry on borei priyats, you said borei priya aretz, it wouldn't count. Rabbi Yehuda would say it counts, and therefore we need to have the Mishnah. And now we have a fascinating section of Agadata which will relate to the stories of the Garden of Eden. Okay, so, the tree that Adam ate from, you notice it says Adam ate from, it doesn't say Eve. Okay, and we know it wasn't, that it was really Eve who ate from it first, but it's in Adam HaRishon. Um, what was that tree? Okay. What was that tree? First of all, what, what was it called? Eitzadat, the tree of knowledge. Okay. It, yet, what are you supposed to learn? What What happens if you eat from the tree of knowledge? You no, know, you don't know Tovara. Basically, you'll know Tovara, but you'll live forever. What's the What's What's the What's the nafkamina? Right. What's the nafkamina? So you'll know Tovarai, and presumably it gives you a chance at eternity. Um, under those kind of conditions, one does not necessarily mean the next. So, what did Rabbi Meir Omer? Rabbi Meir Omer Gefen Haya. Gefen Haya. It was a vine. Okay? He ate grapes. Now again, what does it mean that the, it was on the ground? Who planted it? Where did it come from? Yeah. Huh? There's a difference between Geffen and Ed, so why does the text call it Ed? No, 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 no. no. Where, but where did it come from? That's what I it came from being there, period. Same way as Adam was born as a mature human being, supposedly. It's part of the miracle of the Garden of Eden story. Everything was there, the Garden of Eden, Garden of Eden was there, the rivers were there. The plantings were there, the trees were there. Nobody planted them. God, okay, how did he, how would he even know what, what a grape was? He wouldn't. 
That's why Eve has to be able to say, this, hey, this is good, you know, why well, you should taste it. So, Gefaniah, why? Yelala. Okay, what's a yelala? Literally a good time. Okay? A good time. A lot of noise. Okay? Here they translate it as wailing. It's interesting. Okay, but wait, what, where, is, where, do you know, where else do you know the word yelala from? Anybody? Not hilula is, is closer to it. That's why I took this hilula. But yelala normally means in the concept of wailing. It has to do, for instance, with the sounds. No, the, sa the sounds of the shofar. The question is, what is a trua and what is shvarim? And one of them is yelala. Okay. That, no, that's what the shvarim is. The, the trua is supposed to be. As if you ever catch a baby crying that you can't stop. What does he or she sound like? <laughs> Loses breathing ability. Okay. So yelala aladam ela yayin shenamar vayeshet min hayayin vayishkar vayishkar. Okay, you drink from the wine and you get drunk. Who was the first one to get drunk? Okay, so that's it. Okay, so it's Geffen because ultimately they say it brings, if you will, in this case, bad type. Bad things happen when you have wine. He cursed cannot. Right. Okay, with the whole Noah story and, and everything else comes because he gets drunk. And there's a great Midrash he turned into eventually a monkey kind of thing. So, Rabbi Nechamia Omer Teina Haita. Haita. What's a Teina? Right. There's a fig tree. Shabbatavar Shanit Kal. This is going to kill me. Shanit Kal Kilu. Thank you, Shakoa. Bo Nit Kanu. Okay, so in that which they brought them down, they actually used. And what did they do? When, as soon as they found out that they had eaten from the Tovarah tree, they covered themselves. That seems to be, again, if you think of it, the first thing they understood was, number one, to run away from God, God okay, and to cover themselves. They knew shame. That's the first thing they learned. Okay, it's not the first thing that you normally learn as a young child. In innocence, they, in their innocence, they learned shame, and immediately they covered themselves up. So, what does it mean here? In the same way that teina, they they had a they had they had to cover themselves. They used that which was present, and what was present? The fig tree. That's what they ate. Rabbi Yehuda Omer Chita Haita. That is, what was it really? Wheat. She'en ha'atinuk yodea likrot abba ve'ima. Ad she'itum ta'am dagan. Okay, this is now a sociological kind of approach, a developmental kind of approach. That a child doesn't know how to call his parent, when there is just literally to talk, until they've already tasted wheat. Meaning. Right, right. Okay? Yeah. I think that he makes a big case for 
the evolution of wheat, that it might have been a bigger kind of wheat or a flock, but it is a big leap from the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But according, this is Rabbi Yehuda. Is why he seems to think that what's important about the wheat is not the, you know, that it grows the way we think of it in the ground. Okay, hamotzi lechemin haaretz. Okay, but it has some sort of the equivalent of I wouldn't say leaves, but growths, because you can't really call them leaves. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. But that's his, that's the way he still sees it. Supposedly, and in that realm, from that point of view, ultimately, that's what he says. And, and he gives a developmental kind of a, a thing that everybody wants their, you know, the, by the child develops in a certain kind of way, when he's already what we would call beginning to eat food of some substance, however, whatever that is, then he, she can, can be learned to talk. Here, here it says in the note that even though the wheat is not like a tree, it's within the pea family to which wheat belongs. There are several very large plants which structurally are not fundamentally different from wheat, like giant bamboo looks like a tree in every respect. So maybe they had other, maybe they had other. Yeah, and we don't know exactly what it looked like. They may have had other kinds of wheat than we have now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like kamut and. It's still. There you go. Okay, so what what uh, what what does a developmental approach show? That a child gets to a certain development of knowledge at a certain point. And what was the tree supposed to give you? Knowledge. knowledge. So what what then he says? He's now dealing it not with in terms of the biblical approach, but a developmental. Um, sort of logical approach, and the logical approach ultimately is when it, it's as if a child gets old enough to have food, that's when they can begin to talk. So, what was the food that gives, or the equivalent food, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, for Adam and Eve that allowed them to converse with God? Pita. Okay? So, what, what does that suggest? <coughs> Why is this all brought? Why why is all of this wonderful section on on Gan Eden brought? No, not exactly. What? There's a reason why it's this particular line of logic that's being brought in. No, no. Very simple, guys. What was the question? Which blessing? No, the que- that wasn't really the question. It was a question of the fruit of the tree. No, not exactly. Why? How do we know that Rabbi Yehuda thinks is an Ilan? That's all. Okay, we have above. Rabbi Yehuda Omer may be of a We need Perota Aretz. Why? The Rabbi Yehuda Damar Chitamin Ilanhi. How do I know that? I know from the store, from the Agada of, of Gan Eden that he sees it as a tree. That's what the tree of God was. <coughs> some said it was a Geffen, some said it was a Tena. He thought it was a Chita. That's all. Sometimes you look for answers that are just... <coughs> look at the text. English, Hebrew, I don't care. Aramaic. <coughs> what? Whatever it was, it basically comes from the ground. It comes from the ground. So there's no question that if you if you were going to say something on a tree, 
then it's okay to say it on the ground. But if it's something on the ground and it grows in a tree, that's the question. To him, it's all the same. To others, it's not. You agree with him. Okay, let's stop. Let's close our books and <laughs> move on. Well, but why would they become my, my my feeling is why would they need why would they feel the need oh, thank you why would they feel the need to be, feel modest yeah but how do they know that that's right there are two people in the world right now but but why do you why do you become modest? But how do you know to be shamed? They had a feeling what they were, the way they were looking wasn't appropriate. Okay? So they covered themselves up. Okay, we would call it today modesty. I would suggest that they felt shamed in front of God, not dressed that way, if you will. Well, they weren't dressed, period. God created them like that. Right. So why when you think of it, why was why was that their reaction? Why that reaction more than anything else? I was thinking of the idea of separation before they were like one and unified and together. But then they saw difference. They saw they saw the difference between so they're protecting themselves against one another? Or, or knowing that separation was a part of reality before we were all one. Unified. Right, but what, what were the, why, did they, why were they concerned whether they separated? Because of the knowledge that they But, yeah. but why, what, what does it matter? I'm pushing because I don't know an answer, okay? Yeah. I don't think anybody, you've thought of, seriously, I don't even thought of it. Why was the, the reaction so, what's so bad about separation? Why did they have to feel that they had to put on clothes at that point? They wouldn't have been naked before God. Why not? That's how they were created. They discovered that the Yetzirah and the Yetzirah Tov at this point? I don't know. So why does the Yetzirah lead to, to putting on clothes? So that you know, it doesn't lead to virus. That's know. our interpretation today. That's the way you do it. Maybe they didn't want to see each other like that. Why? Why? I'm asking why. Happened to them. I think they grew. There was growth in those two people. They changed, and that change made them more aware, and 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 they learned more. They they were they were different people. But why is the reaction to the difference putting on clothes? The Torah, if you look at broad brush strokes at the Torah, the Torah does not like nakedness. Period. You start here at the beginning, you go through it, nakedness is frowned upon through your vat, um, the, the nakedness of your, your parent. Uh, you can't see people naked. There's an issue in Torah, I think, with nakedness. Okay. All right. So I, I would I, I would agree. The only issue is mostly erbat achicha is a sexuality issue, not just the nakedness. Okay. I, I said I don't disagree. I'm, but
But nakedness is not Torah's not happy with that. Okay. Torah's not happy with nakedness. They're covering their sexuality. That's right. And before that, they may not have had those desires. So is sexuality bad? No, the first place is not having the whole of their emotions may be dead. For Christianity, sexuality is bad. The idea that it all comes from Vadam Okay, that vav, the fallen in grace, right? Well, either one. Sorry. Before eating of the fruit, the world was complete, good of the way it was. But once they ate the fruit, that through or vu came into play. Then you were going out and you had to fill the whole world, not just Eden. And how did they know that that, that, that they would that, that was the way they did Pru or Vu? They eventually found out. Right. After leaving before leaving the garden, after leaving the garden. Huge difference between Judaism and Christianity. But it was going from a world of perfection to a new responsibility where they could no longer just live in a perfect world. Out of Eden and out of perfection. Bernie, okay? Fran? Fran, are you going to say? Was your hand up? Anybody else? I don't have an answer. I think this was their first time of exercising their own judgment. Okay. And that's what they chose to do. Again, it's a a fascinating question. The first thing that they do, once they get knowledge, is cover themselves up. Which seems to suggest, and this I would agree with you, Michael, that that, that not covering yourself up is inappropriate. Okay, and it leads to modesty and then sniyut, etc., etc. But why ultimately is that the worst thing? And therefore, that's the first thing that they that they try to fix. It could lead to mixed dancing. <laughs> <laughs> that's my answer. It could lead to mixed choices, dancing. Choices. Huh? I think yeah. choices. They they made a choice. Well, they made a wrong choice. A wrong, remember, a wrong this choice. was they, they made a wrong choice by eating. The God clearly <laughs> tells them they made a wrong choice, and the first thing they do is. They do something which takes away from God's creations. Maybe God's creations was they were created naked. Maybe it's allegorical, and they're really talking about covering up your inner sight feelings that they felt, which they shouldn't have felt because they were. Now you're reading Philo, perhaps, but that's not really what the Torah says. No, I'm. It's not Tov and Yitzhara. That that's already allegorical stuff, which maybe Philo of Alexandria would say. Okay. I think it might be fear. With knowledge also comes some fear of what is what, what is true, what is not true. Okay, so what fear allowed them to run away and not be found. And, and putting on clothes also hit them. Camouflage? You mean it's camouflage? Mm-hmm. Okay. Probably God. Next time you read Grace, you'd ask yourself the question. Not a simple answer. Not a simple answer. You know, the answer is, we're all right and we're all wrong. Don't know. But it does seem to be, and, and I don't know, unless my, um, 
of archaeology legion. I don't know ancient Near East literature well enough to know that that's a, a normative practice. That's not, that's not a theme that I know of, at least. No, it's not. It's not a theme of the creation stories in Umaelish or all those. Right. But not getting dressed. Okay. They're distinct. I mean, you know, when uh, uh, just think of animals, you know, that that uh, they procreate. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the sexuality is normal, and, and the minute that, uh, that it's what distinguishes them as, as human beings. I mean, the way it's the beginning of civilization. Okay. I don't have an answer. I really, I think it's it's as as I've done some thinking about it, and I read this section. I said, hmm. The first thing they do is put on clothes. That's the first thing they do and run away. But there's not another creation story that I know of that deals with the issue of one God. And that, that is true. That's the that's yeah, the that's nature of Hebrew story. Hebrew literature. Right. In the other creation stories, there's multiple a, gods. Yeah. Pantheon, if you will, Correct. of gods who are directing what's happening and they're fighting each other and there's these tensions. Here, you have one, you have the idea of one God who creates two people that sell them Elohim. So, in that regard... Right. Franny, that's all true. <coughs> but it doesn't answer the question that I have. I wonder if you could find out if, you if I can find out? <laughs> Go to Google. What do you want from me? <laughs> when anthropologists look at society. Well, too bad Nessie's not here. She's done some studying on this kind of stuff. I don't know. Like Franz Boas. Right, right. Like that they went. And I remember seeing pictures of, uh, of societies that were without clothes. Primitive societies, definitely. Aborigines. By looking at them and people yeah, yeah. Who have looked at them, what, at what point did they begin Good to not do that? You know, if you look at the Aboriginal societies, you know, go back to Africa, the people who are found in the Amazon, etc. In most cases, any kind of clothes is is minimal, to say the least. The least. So. Right. Yeah, you start here, etc. But so I, I just I throw the question out because I, reading the text again, it's just a, a fascinating discussion on what this is really all about. In that sense, it doesn't help us here, but just in general. Could you elaborate a little bit more about the dichotomy between Christian reading of Well, when they leave, when they leave the the, the um, garden. The chapter begins, Vahadam yada et chavaishto, meaning they had sexual relations. That valve, on that valve, basically you have um, an, an unbelievable important theological issue. Rashi says, following Jewish tradition, Vahadam yada, it's past perfect, meaning before they left the Garden of Eden, they had sexual relations. And eventually that gave birth to Cain and to Hevel. To the Christian point of view is after they left, after the fall, that they had sexual relations and had Cain and Hevel. That differentiation meant the difference between whether sex is something that is not only for procreation, which both Christianity 
and, and Judaism would believe in, but whether it's considered to be something which is beautiful and holy, or something which is the opposite. Okay? From a Christian point of view, after the fall, because they sinned, they had to have sex and have children. Okay? From a Jewish point of view, that's not the way it was taken whatsoever. And that vav upon that v'ha'adam yatsa, and is that a is is the tense of and now that after they left and they've already been told you're going to work by the sweat of your brow and you're going to the women are going to have difficulties in childbirth and they and the snake is going to have legs etc etc lose his legs etc is all occurred after because after that's known as after the fall in Christianity from a Jewish point of view the Hadam is like a it had already happened and now that she was pregnant they're eventually going to have children. Huge difference in that sense. I also thought that this is a question. The Christian view was much more negative on Chava than Adam Harishon. She was the one who sinned. She brought. Well, that, that, that becomes again, uh, again, and by the way, in, in Jewish tradition, she's no, lo- she's not loved either. Okay, she led to led to the fall, and, and clearly, then is you know, therefore, man is supposed to be, you know, she's supposed to be subservient to to man. That's what he says. Okay, you're supposed to listen. To uh, you're supposed to listen to the person that you marry, etc. Maybe you might want to say in some uh, Christian traditions, but it's sure there in Jewish tradition too. Thank you. Yeah, Scott says you fight it out. If you go look for the Torah of Akavah, that's all respect. If you look at the story of Noah, that's respect for, for a parent. Mm-hmm. This may be the beginning of a statement of, it's that you're looking at two human beings, they have to have respect for each other. That may be a, a stretch. Alright, I, I wouldn't disagree with the concept. My question would be, why does clothes give dis- disrespect? Mm-hmm. Give that respect, and why without clothes is there disrespect? We can understand that today. Okay, I mean, we get it today. But why then when that's how they were created? I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just pushing the question, that's all. So, I think you're correct in a sense of respect, etc. But what does clothes have to do with that? That I don't know. Betsy? No, that's okay. All right, now that we solved the problems of the world. Remember, they left a warm climate and went to a colder climate. Yeah, but they were in the warm climate when they found the clothes. I mean, that's when they put them on. When they sewed them. They were engineered like all the other animals up until that point, like eating from the tree. And all other animals really have no desire for clothes. Okay, I think okay. That, that's we heard as well. But my question would be, why did that become their separation from animals? What 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 is it about clothing and co- covering yourself up that they all of a sudden gain knowledge of when they ate from that tree? It could have been that you know animals. Tear, live, tear, you know, to, to eat from the ground and take and take other animals and tear them limb from limb. Maybe that's what they could have learned from animals. Why the clothing part? Maybe, maybe what they gained when they ate that knowledge was actually sexual desire. That before that they didn't have, they didn't feel that sexual desire. So when the sexual desire 
when they were aware of that. I think that the story is also about, you know, when those who passed the story on to us, what did they think knowledge was about? And so it's the sexual desire that they learned, and that's where it leads to. It leads to how do we not just control, but how do we, pulling all these things together, how do we deal with our sexual desire, and that's what knowledge was. Okay. Last comment. Okay. All right. I leave you with the question. I'm pushing everybody because I don't have an answer myself. What about the connection between that? What about? Knowledge, yeah. And what's the other word for it? It says, Right, right. Right, no, to some extent, that's what Marcy said. Yeah. Okay. It could be. Okay. My only real push all along is, what is it about clothing that all of a sudden becomes their first thing? I understand it, but that's so much later. I understand. Okay, but in the end, we thank God for the clothes that we wear. They did the clothing. God didn't do it. In essence, they went against God by putting on clothes. In primitive cultures in Africa, also covered themselves up. Some do, some don't. They learn from others. Originally, that's what Fran was saying. Okay, so the question is, originally, did they do that? Okay, so if they had no contact with others, they had no contact with others, then their original thing was not to wear clothes, and when they had contact with others, they learned... We know where that came from. All right, you guys can go on for right. Keep talking. You got it figured out. Thank God. Okay. There you go. That'll do it. Kiviachol. Kiviachol. All right, let's pull our heads back from uh, the Garden of Eden. <laughs> Next time you read Brashid and you read this section, I don't think you'll read it exactly the same way again. So that's okay. Um, and why it always has to you continue to study it and read it again and learn it again because we don't have all these answers and your answers change over a period of time as you listen to others too. Regardless, what our whole issue is here to Rabbi Yehuda, it's Chita. And Chita is a tree, okay? And therefore, if you said, I'll pay Rota Aretz, Borei Priya and etc., he's, he's okay with it. Okay, now go back to the topic. Salka da Tachamina. Salka da Tachamina. Why is this all case? I could have thought, or I would have thought, Zeole al Da'ati. It kind of goes on my mind. Ho'il ve'amar, Rabbi Yehuda, Chita min... Ilan he levarech aleha borei priha. Since Rabbi Yehuda holds that chita is like a tree, what should you say? Borei priha eats. Kamashmalan it teaches us. Kamashmalan hecha levarchinan borei priha eats, which is a question. 
is that a question? When, no, when we say Borei Pre'etz, now keep going. Hecha. Hecha dechi shak las le Pere. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, Kamashman, why does Rabbi Huda hold this? We could have thought the Rabbi Huda chitaz an Ilan, and you have to say Borei Priyaitz, period. But, Kamashman teaches us, Hecha mevarkin Borei Priyaitz. When we say Borei Priyaitz, Hecha dechi dechi shakla. Shakla means to take. Shakla le lepere, we take the fruit off. Ite legavza v'hadar mapik. The what's left is the uh, branch. Okay, the branch itself is left, and it gives more fruit. Okay, that's where you have to say borei priyates. Aval hecha dekishak lakle peri leite legavza v'hadar mapik. But in the opposite, because what happens with wheat? You take off the whole thing. You're right. You're not taking. You're not leaving the branch there or anything. You don't say Borei Priyaitz, but Borei Priyadama. Therefore, Rabbi Yehuda comes to teach you that you can still say Borei Priyaitz, Borei Priyadama, according to his view. We could have thought otherwise. We don't have to hold otherwise. And that's why they teach us this. So that's what the Salka Dachamina means. Okay, so Rabbi Yehuda says, Chita, Chita, Salka Dachamina. I could have thought, since Chita is an Ilan, I need to say Borei Priyaitz. It teaches us where it's really like an eights. You can pull it, you know, the orange off the branch, and what will happen? The branch stays, and another orange will grow. But where that's not the case, Loma Varkina la Borei Priyaitz, ella Borei Priyadama. Then you say Borei Priyadama under this case, and he would say in that case, presumably even with Kita, even though he, he would see it's, no, it's mean eights. Okay, so let's do, let's do Orach Halacha on the previous page. I'll read it. Um, from Berchat Hayirakot. Everybody see it? Hayirakot nevarech borei priyadama kistam mishnah. Okay, as you know, on vegetables you say borei priyadama. Shinui brachot. Berech al priyates borei priyadama yetsaya dechova. If you say borei priyadama for those things that grow on a tree, you fulfill your obligation. Same as the Mishnah says, you don't fulfill your obligation, the opposite. You shouldn't say on fruits or vegetables, but if you did, you're okay. You've already put aside your Bikurim. And then the well dried out. Or the tree dries out, meaning there's a drought. You still have to bring the Bikurim, but you don't say, because you can't say, Allah Kayam. 
that its branches go out from its trunk and the trunk remains but if the branches go out just from the roots then it's a borei priyadama I guess I guess alright okay there's a different but so in other words if it's off branches and take, take now kita what happens with kita you pull up the whole thing Hey, what do you do with the banana? I don't know. At least that whole section has to go off of the tree. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. So I would gather you're right. Morale is probably the reason. Okay. Right, right. They're always growing. No, they're always covered up, though, to protect it from. Well, because they're growing at that point. Yeah. All right. What happens? This actually is the next part is actually quite interesting, because the, what we're going to get to in the next little while, and what we started today is: Can you make up new brachot? Can you change the matbeah brachot? If you if you're in the Jewish renewal world, there are new brachot made up all the time. Okay? Right, right. Okay? If you're, if you know, let's, there's new worlds happening. Let's change the bracha and maybe not say Baruch Hashem, Elokeinu Melech HaOlam. Change the words. There, you know, again, it goes back to Matbeat Filah. What do you do in terms of Keva and Kavana? What do you do in terms of the fixed nature of prayer and words and, and declarations and the spontaneity that's attached to it. So what happens if you say something, you know, you see the rainbow, okay, and you say, ah, if, you're, if you know the bracha, you say the bracha. But what happens if you say, thank God for that rainbow? Is that good enough? Yeah, okay, so Franny again gave us the answer. Everybody's got answers, you know. <laughs> but see, think how much smaller the Talmud would be if it was at this class. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, Wait, I didn't find you on the Gomorrah. <laughs> so, so, that's what they're going to deal with now. And again, and again, this is as recent now as gone. Go on, as I say, in some of the, the renewal concept. There are new brachot all the time, and the changing of bracha, and the words that change, and nobody's happy with Elokeinu Melech, for sure, in terms of egalitarianism, and Baruch Hashem, nobody knows exactly what that means. What do you mean, God needs to be blessed? Okay, blessed are you, O Lord our God. We have to bless God? The, the Talmud already asked that question. Our job is to bless God? Our bless, job is to thank God. I get it. But does God need our blessings? Okay. What does Baruch really mean? Comes from the same way as Berech, to bow. Okay, a sense of gratitude. So we 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 use our Berech when we say in the Amidah and such. Okay. But the whole concept of Baruch Ata, you. Yes. I was just going to say I, I love the comparison Berach kneeling, knee, and blessing right. comes from the word blood. How about that? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. <laughs> How about that? Now we solved all that problem. Baruch is acknowledgement. Well, again, translation becomes all of all of what how you see it. Look, look at some of the newer translations. Okay, you know, take Mishkan. Now they take the ones they're using at Beth Emmet. Probably the translations are going to be different. You know, I thought a lot about this. You know, Baruch Hashem, and it seems to me that you're dealing with an intransitive verb. And it's not saying that we are blessing God, mm-hmm. but it's saying that God is blessed. And, you know, it connotes a kind of state of being. Uh, so how would you translate it? Well, I don't I don't <laughs> translate it differently, but I think, you know, back to the Baruch Hu, Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's that God exists in, in a... In a, in a, in a, in a Different realm, you know. Uh, uh, okay, I, you know. I, again, I'm only raising the questions yeah, no, that I mean, we don't think about I'm too often, and I'm glad you thought about it. Yeah. I'm bothered by the, you know, it, it, to me, I'm bothered by the translations in the prayer book. Praise for right. you. Right. Now, there's a lot of stuff that has to do with praising the angels. We praise, but not with Baruch. Baruch to me has a very special. Uh, uh, meaning, okay. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. as it relates to men and man's relationship to God and so on and so forth. Like, Great, right, thank you. Uh, okay. Good. All right, let's go. Let's start at least this section. Ba'al kulan im amar shahakol it mar rahuna amar chutz min hapasim min hayayin ogi pot bread and wine have their special. Blessings, you can't say shalakol on bread or wine. We've talked about this before, the special nature of them. For Rabbi Yochanan Amara, Rabbi Yochanan says, it's okay. Even for bread. So we have a disagreement between a Rabbuna and Rabbi Yochanan who are Amoraim. Neymakitanai means let us say that they follow the argument of two Tanaim. Of the earlier rabbis in the Mishnah period, who are they? Ra Patva Amar Kama Naa Pat Zob Baruch Hamakom Sheba Sheba Ra Yatsa Yatsa. Instead of saying Baruch Tashem Lekedem Malcholam Hamotzi Lechem Anarti says Kama Naa Paso. How beautiful, how pleasing this bread is. Baruch Hamakom Shebra. Blessed be Makom. Okay, God presumably, however you want to say it, who created it. It's changing the nature of the bracha, but it has some of the concepts. Beautiful bread, blessed from where it came from, and it came from the, not Mina Aretz, but the Kodesh Baruch Hu. Yatsa. Go ahead. Yatsa. Okay? So, you see a fig tree, and you do exactly the same. How beautiful those figs are. Blessed be God, Hamakom, who gave us those fig trees. Yatsa. According to. Rabbi Meir would fit in with renewal. Okay? He would fit in with the concept of renewal. 
of a sense of you can change the blessings to portray the same concepts of wonder and gratitude because that's what it is it's wonder at the bread and the gratitude to God okay so it's not the words according to Rabbi Mayer it is the sentiments if you can if you voice them in different words according to Rabbi Mayer yatsa you fulfilled your obligations and again that is much more of a rene- the renewal ju- ju- a renewal movement's concepts of creating new brachot with new words Shakta Shalomi etc and others who followed him for different verbiage different concepts etc according to Rabbi Meir Yatsa we'll see what the halach is in a few moments Rabbi Yossi Omer call Hamish I'm sorry call Hamash Mishaneh Mat Be'ad Shetavu Hachamim Rabbi Yossi is what we would call a structuralist. There's a bracha, say the bracha. You learn it, Baruch Hashem. Whatever that means, Amotzi Lechemin Aretz, Borei Priyayets, Borei Priyadama. Don't make up your own stuff. Yeah, I was teaching last night in in, in my. Uh, uh, Spurtus class a difference of an article by uh, um, David Hartman talks about halachic spirituality and sometimes the conflict between the two where halacha is you follow a certain pattern it's kevan kavanah again and spirituality is you don't necessarily follow a pattern spirituality is much more free flowing and the question is can you move from one to another and according to Hartman, basically halacha leads you to spirituality. But what happens if you don't have it at the same time? And all those kind—it's a difference between a structuralist and what I would call more of a kavana concept. I don't know the exact word that I'm looking for. Okay, so Rabbi Yossi is a structuralist. There's a bracha. Learn the darn bracha and say it right. I mean, that's it. And, and Rabbi Meir says whatever moves you at the moment as long as you give away the proper sentiments how about whistling the famous story okay we're not at the halacha yet just this okay now why is this all brought because it's basically saying that it's going to follow the, the two of the, the previous two Rav Huna and Rav Yochanan followed these kinds of concepts. Rav Huna says, basically, you know, you, you got to sit. I'm a structuralist. You can say whatever you want, but those you got to say the right ones. Those are that important. And Rav Yochanan says, no, no, even patniyayin isn't so horrible as long as you say the sent the right sentiments. All right. So I'm just going to read. Let's just look so we can kind of. Yunim, and we'll finish here with that, and we'll come back to this next time. They're different than all the other food stuff. There's no separate blessing. Remember, we had this and it was turned down, except for patniyayin. Everything else is kind of under the classifications of different ones. Even concludes different kinds of species. 
Since they are taken out of their normative sense of everything else, and they have a special bracha, if you don't say that special bracha, you don't fulfill. So let's just look at at Orach HaHalacha, and we'll do the first two. Tokef Berachat HaShakol, B'Diavad, again, ex post facto. Im Berach Shakol Al HaKol, Patviyayin Bichlal Yatsa. Okay, so Allah is that you can do it even for Padniyayin if you say Shakol. It doesn't mean of changing the black blessings yet. Next one. Mishanem mi matbea chachamim. Ein raui lishanot mi matbea. Shedavu chachamim bivrachot. It is not appropriate. Ein raui. It doesn't say it's not possible. It doesn't say asur. But it's not appropriate. Who says you're so smart after the chachamim created these brachot? You should say the brachot of the chachamim. Ulam. Im amari ikare devarim. Shemu malchut. We'll come to this. But if you still say... Yeshem Elokeinu, as such, in a certain kind of way. Kira'ui Yetza. So this is the Rambam. You shouldn't, but Dievet is okay. But who gives you the right to change Brachot? That is a question that is being asked today, as I say, through the renewal movement in particular, but in other cases as well. Can we make, quote unquote, make up new Brachot? Can we change the Matbeah? And I'd like you to think, we've had a lot of thinking questions today. I'd like, here's another one I'd like you to think about for next week. Um, is that good? Bad? How does it lead to strictures? How does it lead to spirituality? How does it lead to individuality? And yet, how does it lead to community or not to community? These are real questions involved in prayer, in communal responses, and in community as community. We'll finish here. Thank you. Go